You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves are in Boston to take on the Celtics for the first time this season. This evening, a 6.30 p.m. Central tip. Um, so we'll finish the show today by previewing that, looking at what Boston's been up to. They've obviously had a disappointing season and uh, obviously are, are still a good team. They're still a playoff team, but not anywhere near as good as people expected. So we'll talk about their season to this point, what they've been up to lately and what to expect in Wolves Celtics on Friday night. I want to open the show by talking about a smattering of Wolves notes. I want to talk a little, on I think it was Thursday show, or I guess maybe it was Wednesday, talked about the Timberwolves net rating under Chris Finch and what they've done both offensively and defensively, how much better they've been in the second half versus the first half, as well as the fourth quarter specifically. Um, but today I want to talk about overall net rating um, and specifically Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell together in the two games since D'Lo's returned. Of course, he's been on a minutes restriction, so the data is a little bit limited, certainly very limited. Uh, but still, I want to look at that. I want to talk about Timberwolves pace. An interesting note that uh, the basketball reference Twitter account put out there about pace that um, I I wanted to dive into just a little bit more. And then there's a great article on The Ringer about Anthony Edwards uh, by Dan Devine. And so I want to talk about that article and what that spurred in my mind. And, and then also next middle segment of today's show, I want to talk about Defense as a whole, I want to look at the ESPN Real Plus minus numbers for Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Malik Beasley, and what kind of a story that tells for each of those players, and how we can evaluate each player. Well, we can't really do it in a vacuum because we have the team context, and um, it's it's almost impossible to evaluate players individually in a vacuum. Well, it's not impossible, but the metrics, the metrics that evaluate defense all have some level of noise to them, and so clearly there's um, still very much you know, the eye will tell us, right, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, how effective a player can be defensively. Um, but still, ESPN's real plus minus number, I think, comes about as close as you're going to to a to one all-encompassing stat. And it's not that because there isn't one that exists, but it's a pretty good one, especially the defensive real plus minus. So I want to look at what that says about each of the Timberwolves, uh, each member of the Timberwolves' current big three or I don't know, I guess big four, because we're going to talk about Edwards as well as D'Angelo Russell, although his numbers, the sample size for him is obviously a lot smaller. Um, so we'll talk about all that on the show today before getting to the Wolves-Celtics matchup. All right, off the top here, a reminder, as always, you can follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, A-U-D-A-C-Y, the Odyssey app. You can follow the podcast. You can also follow on Twitter, at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Uh, make sure to follow there and let me know what you want to uh, what you want to hear talked about on the podcast or what you think about the podcast. Any thoughts, any commentary, happy to uh, engage there on Twitter. All right, um, let's talk about these, these Wolves notes. Um, so first... This is, and I'm stealing a couple of these things, you know, to talk about from from Twitter. One is from Chris Hine, the fantastic 
Timberwolves beat reporter over for the uh, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, he tweeted out on Thursday afternoon. He said, uh, just going to read his tweet verbatim. He said, quick note, as Timberwolves get ready to hold practice availability in the last two games, Russell and Towns have shared the floor for 37 minutes. Remember, Russell's just come back now, two games, both off the bench, both with a low minutes, or excuse me, low 20s minutes restriction. In those 37 minutes, Wolves offensive rating in in those minutes together is a 137.5. Defensive rating is 122.5. In six games that they played overall together, the Wolves offensive rating is 117.5. Defensive is 112.6. So not good defensive ratings, but the offensive rating is so off the charts that the net rating is obviously great. I mean, it's a plus five in these 37 minutes. And in six games overall this season, it's a plus 4.9. So, so the last 37 minutes are fairly in line, obviously more offense and, and worse defense, but of course the, the Pacers game, which the final was 141 to 137, that's going to skew that quite a bit. Um, so, you know, if, if you're plus five, you're going to be a pretty good team, not suggesting that in, in a larger sample size, the defensive issues wouldn't, wouldn't rise to the top of it more and be a little bit more prominent. But notable that 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 net rating carries, you know, in the six games overall, as well as the past two games. And um, I mean, the the Towns D'Angelo Russell pick and roll is so dynamic. And I talked about this in the postgame pod that posted early Thursday from Wednesday night's loss um, that when the Timberwolves lost to that shorthanded Pacers team. I talked about just how amazing it is to see Chris Finch get to work with two offensive talents like Towns and Russell and the different twists on the horns sets that Finch likes to run. And then just straight pick and rolls with Towns and Russell are just phenomenal. The dribble handoff action that they're able to run and then throw in Edwards, trying to get him downhill, pitching him the ball, letting him gain a gain a head of steam and get to the basket. Uh, you know, surround that trio with some shooters like Malik Beasley and, and others, you know, guys who are more can be, uh, lower usage type guys that are pretty much spot up shooters. I mean, the Wolves just don't have any of those guys and they haven't historically had very many either, but the D'Lo Towns pairing is so good offensively and it's, it's really everything that we thought it could be, but they still haven't really had a chance to develop it any further. So these numbers are interesting. It backs that up most certainly. And then another note that I saw on Twitter, and this was actually from basketball reference, uh, their Twitter account. So B-Ball, underscore ref. They tweeted out on Thursday afternoon as well. They said they listed the teams, the five teams with the fastest pace in the league. Number one, the Washington Wizards, two Golden State, three, the Milwaukee Bucks, four, the Timberwolves, and five, the Houston Rockets. The five teams with the slowest pace, the Knicks, Nuggets, Heat, Clippers, Mavs. Check that out. Of the five fastest paces, there's only one solid playoff team in the Milwaukee Bucks, one surefire playoff team and and two likely playoff teams in the Bucks and the Warriors. The Wizards, Wolves, and Rockets are three of the league's worst teams. Look at the slowest paces, all playoff teams. The Knicks, Nuggets, Heat, Clippers, and Mavs are all going to make the playoffs. And I'm I'm not about to make an argument to draw a, a strong conclusion from this at all that, you know, uh, for instance, that the, you know, the slower the pace you play, the better team you are. That's obviously not true. I mean, the Knicks are 25 and 27, so they're, they're roughly a 500 team, but they're very likely to make at least the play in, in the Eastern conference. Um, so what does that 
tell us? I don't know that it tells us much. I just think it's really interesting. And also, I think of, of the t- league's worst teams, I mean, there's this mindset of, you know, just get as many possessions as you can and, and just kind of see if we can score a way out of losing. And that's defensible for some of these bad teams. And that's clearly was the case under Ryan Saunders. And I mentioned actually after the Pacers game on the postgame pod again from Thursday, following the loss of the Pacers on Wednesday, that in the second quarter, especially, it felt like the Pacers were scoring fast and easily. The Wolves were pulling the ball out of the net and running and scoring. And then the Pacers were scoring fast again. And then the Wolves wouldn't score on the fourth possession of this back and forth. So for every two times the Pacers score, it felt like the Wolves scored once. But they were playing so fast that the Pacers just got possessions on possessions on possessions. And they ended up scoring 42 in the second quarter. And this number just kind of underscores that thought that, hey, you know, these teams are just playing at a breakneck speed. And if the defense is so bad, now Houston's got a decent defense. The Warriors defense isn't awful, uh, but Washington and Minnesota have terrible defenses. And obviously Milwaukee is just a good team. Um, You know, if you play that fast and you have a terrible defense like the Wolves and the Rockets, I'm a little surprised. I guess the Kings don't play consistently that fast, but they have probably the league's worst defense overall. Um, but the faster you play, if your defense is terrible and not only, yeah, you're getting a lot more possessions, but you're giving your opponent a ton of possessions as well. And that's not going to bode well uh, for you, for your odds of winning here. Um, you know, if, if that's what you're doing on a nightly basis. So again, notable, not too many conclusions to draw from it, but uh, wanted to point that out. Okay. I, I want to get to that ringer article about Anthony Edwards and then into some of the defensive real plus minus numbers and the Wolves defense as a whole and some things mentioned over at Bleacher Report. Uh, so really kind of a, a lot to talk about still. Before getting to the Wolves Celtics matchup, before we get into all of that, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time, bar none. Tastes exactly like a candy bar, no exaggeration. There's 18 amazing flavors, including six six brand new flavors. They're still new over the past couple of months here. Uh, the six are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. And I'm going to pause there because those are my three absolute favorite flavors right now. Also lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. There's a total of 18 flavors now because there's still the 12 original. And I'm going to shout out mint brownie, salted caramel, and banana bread. Uh, eh, also toffee almond. And of course, coconut almond. Those are my five or six favorite player, favorite flavors out of the original 12. But every single bar, every single built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate and they're all soft and easy to chew. If you're health conscious, they're perfect. They can help you lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. Every single built Bar is low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. They're perfect for the keto diet. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15. For 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so this Anthony Edwards article over at The Ringer by Dan Devine, this is actually a really lengthy feature piece that published early on Thursday. And if you haven't read it, please go do so. It's actually really, really well done. Um, 
you know, from a numbers perspective, pulling video highlights, a lot of cutups of the Timberwolves offense and what Chris Finch has done, um, you know, talking about his history with Denver, with New Orleans, with Toronto more recently um, as an assistant, also as the head coach of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, his history with Gerson Rosas and what he's done to get Anthony Edwards the ball more frequently, as I mentioned earlier, in space, but also headed downhill, whether that's on handoffs or, or pitches or um, you know certain screen and roll action where he's able to get downhill quickly and score and wreak havoc in the paint. He also has an interesting table where he pulled uh, Anthony Edwards' numbers uh, starting in the starting lineup with Ryan Saunders as the head coach and no Carl Anthony Towns in the starting lineup with Saunders as coach with Carl Anthony Towns and starting with Finch as the head coach alongside Towns. And he's pulled his points per game, usage rate, touches per game, drives per game, potential assists, all those numbers for each instance. Now, he only had seven games starting with under Saunders with no cat, seven games starting under Saunders with cat, because remember, he didn't start for the first six, uh, 17 games of the season. But now he has 21 games as a starter with under Chris Finch with Carl Anthony Towns. And all of those numbers are up. I mean, not just the not just the counting number, not just the numbers that you would expect to go up with an increase in minutes, but his usage rate, his uh potential assists per game are way up by by 1.5, by one and a half assists uh versus under Saunders with Cat. So I thought that table was interesting and he made some some intriguing points. Nothing really all that groundbreaking if you're a Timberwolves fan and have watched him night in and night out, but still good to see this all in one place. And I thought that Divine did a good job of pulling uh, all, all the all the the evidence, I guess, supporting his claim that Edwards has improved offensively. But it got me thinking actually more about the Timberwolves defense because he pointed out in this article uh, that the Timberwolves defense has actually gotten worse under Chris Finch. And I'm going to argue that it's not directly related to Chris Finch's coaching. Of course, the Timberwolves still have the same defensive coordinator as they did under Ryan Saunders, and that's David Vanterpool. But the shifting personnel and also slightly different approaches. I mean, the Wolves are somehow still playing faster yet more efficient under Finch than they were under Ryan Saunders. Um, But the possessions per game have increased a little. The Wolves' strength of schedule has gotten a little bit tougher overall. And also uh, the the shift in personnel, um, although you'd think that with no D'Angelo Russell on the floor, the defense would have a better chance, frankly. But D'Lo's only played two games with Chris Finch as coach. And Divine points out, and this is not in any way the point of the article. And, and again, the point of the article is just talking about Edwards' offensive improvement, which not a ton groundbreaking, but but still fun to read um, from a, from a national perspective and not a beat writer, somebody who follows the team regularly. But there's a side a side note in here by Divine that the Timberwolves were 24th in points allowed per possession. Um, so basically defensive rating under Ryan Saunders and are now 27th under Finch. So they've actually slid three stops or excuse me, three spots. Um, And I mean, again, if you've watched the Wolves night in and night out, that's not super surprising, but it is concerning. And that leads me to the Bleacher Report article that was also posted. I think this might've been Wednesday, Um, but uh, let me see that for sure. I know it was Thursday. Grant Hughes at Bleacher Report posted an article entitled Every Tanking NBA Team's Best Need, Biggest Need, excuse me, this offseason. 
And so for the Timberwolves, he just says defense, which, yeah, that's obvious. I took a little bit of exception to the way that Grant Hughes over at Bleacher Report broke this down, though. He talks about uh, the roster being built around D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, a pair of noted sieves on defense. True. However, however, um, Carl Anthony Towns has been better defensively, and Anthony Edwards has arguably been worse than, worse than both of them, than both Towns and Russell this year. Um, in a vacuum, if you're looking at individual defensive efforts and what they've been able to do. And it isn't as though Anthony Edwards has had the world's toughest covers this year, right? I mean, Josh Kogi, Jarrett Culver, even Malik Beasley at times have had the tougher de- defensive assignments on the wing for the Timberwolves. Ricky Rubio, Jared Vanderbilt for a time, now Jaden McDaniels. All those guys have kind of rotated between the toughest covers, whereas Edwards has typically had the second or third option on opposing teams. B-Ball Index has a number that matches up with that. And uh, they've got a, a ranking or not a ranking, but I guess a, a metric here that they pulled defensive matchups by usage tiers, usage tiers defended. And I talked about this in relation to Anthony Edwards and Andrew Wiggins a few weeks ago, but checking in on this, Anthony Edwards has only defended a player in usage tier one, 9.6% of the time. That's 26 percentile. He is, he has spent most of his time guarding players in usage tier four. of his time has been guarding players in usage tier four. That's 96 percentile. His second greatest greatest tier would be tier two. 17.7% of his time has been spent guarding players in usage tier two. So he's been essentially guarding opposing teams second, somewhere between their second and fourth option most of the time. So yeah, I mean, his covers are going to be more difficult than say D'Angelo Russell on a nightly basis and depending on the opponent could be tougher than Carl Anthony Towns, although Towns is much more the quarterback and and in charge of the defense in, in Finch's scheme and the way that the Wolves play. But um, at any rate, Edwards defensively has been really frustrating this year. And, and I, I, I want to pull some of the ESPN real plus minus numbers. As I mentioned off the top, certainly not gospel, certainly not suggesting that Anthony Edwards is literally the worst defender among all NBA wings. However, this traditionally is one of the better all-encompassing metrics, both the overall real plus minus and the offensive and defensive numbers. Um, I think it does a really good job at, at adjusting for pace and efficiency and try, attempting to adjust for teammates, et cetera. Um, and so at any rate, I want to, I just, I'm just going to report the numbers here. Anthony Edwards is number 98 out of, you guessed it, 98 players listed as small forwards. And this ranking Blake breaks players down into point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward center, obviously a little bit archaic based on how most teams play now, but it's got Edwards in the small forward category. And he is dead last in the NBA defensive real plus minus at a negative 3.1, which is significantly lower than the second worst which is Marcus Morris Sr. of the Los Angeles Clippers, the LA Clippers, who's at negative 2.83. So Edwards is dead last there. And if you want to throw in shooting guards, remember he was negative 3.1. He would still be bottom five if we just want to say wings. The only players worse than him are Anthony Simons with the Portland Trailblazers and Kevin Porter Jr., the Rockets rookie who's only played in 14 games. Both have worse defensive real plus minus ratings than Anthony Edwards. So he would be... There's 115 shooting guards, so add that up. What is that? 200 and 213 players. Anthony Edwards is 210th with only three players behind him among wings in terms of defensive real plus minus. Not great. Um, 
And lately we've seen him, we've seen the uptick in steals, the anticipation, the ability, or the fact that he's becoming more comfortable with the NBA defenses and is learning when to gamble and when not to. That's great. And if he can be a bad defender, but give you one or two steals and breakaway dunks and, and fouls drawn a game, great. That's better than being a bad defender and not doing those things, right? Um, it's a step in the right direction as long as he doesn't become Corey Brewer in the in the gamble department and and you know lose his positioning a dozen times a game or whatever. Uh, but still progress and the Wolves will take those possessions that he's being able to generate um, by getting steals and by jumping passing lanes and, and things of that nature. Um, also notable, as long as we're talking about real plus minus, Carl Anthony Towns defensively is only number 72 out of 84 centers, but it's still an improvement on last year. And I'm, I'm going to pull his defensive real plus minus number from last year to here to compare it. So this year uh, he is negative three point, or excuse me, last year he was negative 3.68, which was dead last among centers in defensive real plus minus. This year he's still only 72nd, but that negative 3.68 is now a negative 0.79. So much, much, much better in terms of defensive real plus minus for Cat. And because he's so good offensively, He's third in the league right now. And remember, he's only played 32 games. So you're talking um, a little more than a third of a of a full season and a little less than half of what this season will end up being. He's a 2.94 offensively. Only Jokic and Embiid are ahead of him, which you may expect in terms of offensive real plus minus. Jokic is, is 1A, Embiid's a close 1B, relatively speaking. Towns is a distant third. And then there's uh, another huge gap before you get to... Mike Muscala and his, so this is another thing is limited playing time. Muscala is number fourth in the league offensively. Nobody's about to suggest that he's the fourth best big offensive big in the league. But then you get to Porzingis and Christian Wood and Vucevic and, and Montrez Harrell and other guys who are quite good are, are plus centers or centers that are plus in the offensive real plus minus category. So he's number three offensively, number 72 defensively. Overall, that makes him number 10 in terms of real plus minus you know, the, the all-encompassing number uh, it puts him number 10 among centers, which feels probably about right this year. It's 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 obviously low, um, but again, limited playing time. He has been better defensively, and this is part of what I was taking issue with with the Bleacher Report article is, yeah, Towns hasn't been a good defender, and he's still arguably slightly below average this year in term, as far as uh, centers go playing defense, right? But he's made progress. And something I talked about post-game pod after the Pacers loss was the lack of contain on the perimeter continues to be a major issue. And the Wolves have had minus defenders at the power forward spot next to Towns for the vast majority of his career outside of the Taj Gibson years. And of and this year until Jaden McDaniels, who's still kind of, you know, met, metric wise, he's pretty middle of the pack defensively, but the tools are there for him to be better than that. He's shown flashes of being on NBA type defender. Um, Certainly, and uh, there's no question about that. But Towns hadn't played with McDaniel's much early this season, so I think we're still seeing that reflected in his numbers. And when it's all said and done this year, we'll obviously look back at these numbers and see where they settle. I also just want to briefly mention Malik Beasley. He's 77th defensively, defensive real plus minus out of 115 players. He's 23rd offensively. That puts him 32nd out of 115 shooting guards in terms of overall real plus minus. So the offense is maybe a little lower than I'd expect. Although uh, he had a couple of really three, really bad games after the suspension before the hamstring injury. And, um, 
you know, he doesn't get to the free throw line a ton and that dings this number a little bit, but still 23rd out of 115 shooting guards, not bad. And defensively, I actually expected him to be a little bit worse. So for him to settle in at 32 overall in real plus minus among shooting guards, that seems about right. Um, and then D'Angelo Russell, the last one I'll mention in terms of real plus minus, he's actually in a better spot than I would have thought here as well. Um, defensively, and again, this isn't good, but still negative 1.5 puts him 64th out of 89 point guards. And, you know, the eye test would have told me he's worse than that, but offensively, he is so good offensively. Um, he's a 1.98 offensively, which is still only 20th league wide and, and below like Cameron Payne and Mike Conley and Patty Mills and a bunch of guys that you would generally say he's better than. But overall, he's a plus 0.48 and real plus minus. And among point guards, that still puts him at 31 out of 89. So not terrible given the the really limited playing time, his defensive issues as a whole, and the fact that he played so many games without Towns early this season and just had a handful of just awful offensive performances because defenses were completely keying in on D'Angelo Russell. That was before Anthony Edwards broke out. That was uh, Sands, Carl Anthony Towns. So all things considered, both D'Lo and Beasley ranked a little better in real plus minus than I expected. Towns was maybe a little bit worse, and Edwards was, um, I did not think he'd be the worst player league-wide, uh, real plus minus, defensive real plus minus wise, but here we are. Number, or I shouldn't say worst player, worst small forward and bottom three wing out of 215 wings ranked. Um He's or 213 wings. He's 210th in defensive real plus minus. So numbers to keep an eye on as we go through the year. Again, always to be taken with something of a grain of salt because there's more to defense than one individual metric. However, um, if Anthony Edwards wants to become a better defender, he's he's got to improve his awareness. He's got to improve his on-ball t- intensity and not simply try and make up for mistakes by gambling and getting steals. As much as those are nice and they're fun and we all want more dunks and more steals, uh, more steals that lead to fast break dunks, there's some, uh, some work that needs to be done on the defensive end of the floor to be sure. Okay, I want to wrap with the Wolves-Celtics preview and talk about that matchup, what to expect Friday night. First, Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, as is college basketball, but the NBA, the NHL, and now baseball are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you could imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and more. Four days a week from credential draft experts, follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk Wolves Celtics. So the Celtics are 26 and 26. They're currently seventh in the Eastern Conference. They're third in their division, only a game ahead of the New York Knicks, believe it or not. And um, it's been a disappointing season. There's no two ways about it. They have lost some close games. They're expected win-loss. Again, their Pythagorean win-loss record is actually 29 and 23, which would be, um, I don't know, I guess that would put them, what, in like fifth in the in the East. 
Um, so there's been some bad luck there. There's been some issues closing games, and I think that needs to be taken into consideration. Of late, you look at what they've done lately, they've actually been much better since the All-Star break, uh, by and large, certainly over the last couple of weeks. They have won, um, let's see, they've won five of their last eight games and four, three of their last four, including wins over the Knicks, Rockets, and Hornets. The Rockets win, not all that impressive. The Hornets win, Sands, LaMelo Ball, less impressive. But beating the Knicks is good. They also lost the Sixers during that stretch and have also lost to likely Western Conference playoff slash play-in teams, the Dallas Mavericks and New Orleans Pelicans. So they've really kind of played down to competition all season long. Brad Stevens has been under fire is maybe a strong way to say it, but I think generally speaking, people have been disappointed with some of the decisions he's made. They made some moves at the deadline. Jeff Teague, former Timberwolf, was there and had a, a rocky tenure, I think to say the least, in his 34 games in a Celtics uniform. Evan Fournier was brought in. He's only played four games for the Celtics and is now... Uh, day-to-day for health and safety protocols, did not play in Wednesday's game. Not sure what his status is at this point for Friday against the Wolves, but Fournier is is going to be a big member of the the bench unit for them and relied upon to score and provide some outside shooting and, and uh, uh, you know, playmaking and creation for others off the bench as a combo guard, but um, he likely will not play on Friday. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both great. I mean, Jalen Brown made his first all-star team this year. Uh, Tatum was an all-star for the second consecutive year. Both still very young, exciting wings, but have been somewhat disappointing this season as much as an all-star season can be considered disappointing. And of course, I'm, I'm speaking it, <laughs> I'm speaking about this as a Timberwolves blog host. So I understand how that sounds because pretty much everything about the Timberwolves has been disappointing this year, but just just saying it like it is, I think Celtics fans would tell you that it's been a somewhat disappointing season all the way around. And Tatum and Brown have been, you know, they've been really good, but this team doesn't just, just doesn't have enough offensive punch besides them. They've still managed to be 12th in offensive rating and defense has generally been the bigger issue. They're 17th in defensive rating. Um, they traded away Daniel Tice, who is arguably their best defender, certainly one of their best defenders. He was traded at the deadline in an interesting deal. They brought in Luke Cornett. They brought in um, uh, Mo Wagner, the former Washington Wizards player, and just kind of shuffled the rotation in addition to the move for Evan Fournier. And and I mean, it, it has mostly played dividends. I mentioned their record's been a little better of late, but it's just kind of a weird you know, reallocation of their assets, I think is probably the best way to say it. They're still a, a solid outside shooting team. They're 10th in three-point percentage league-wide. Um, they're, they're a better rebounding team than the Timberwolves, certainly in terms of defensive rebound rating or rate. They're 17th. They're fourth in offensive rebound rate. Um, so second-chance points are going to be a big issue in this game. The Wolves have been fine on the glass against teams like Sacramento and a shorthanded Pacers team with no Miles Turner and no Damana Sabonis on Wednesday. But this will be a different story. Um, out rebounding the Celtics will be a challenge. And if Boston gets any semblance of second chance points, they're going to run away with this game. Um, they're already so good from outside the arc. The Timberwolves are one of the league's worst teams in terms of allowing three point shots. They've been miserable of late. They let another team shoot 50% from beyond the arc this week. They've done that a couple of times recently. And they've had several games where they've let opponents shoot better than 40% outside the arc here over the past couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for you know the best shooters on the Celtics. Obviously, if Fournier plays, he's somebody to keep an eye out for. Uh, Cornette, the recent addition for the Celtics, is more of a, a, a bit player off the bench for them. But Jalen Brown's shooting almost 40% from three. Jason Tatum's still very good. And then also um, off the bench, Grant Williams 
and uh, and uh, Shemi Olaje are are both guys who are going to make threes, and and you know and can be difference makers if you let them. And that's oftentimes what's killed the Wolves this year is is those second and third options offensively for these teams who are are have great games because the Wolves are so concerned about options one and option two. Um, and Josh Okogie was upgraded to probable in the Timberwolves injury report they issued Thursday afternoon after practice. If he could play, that would be massive. He was out Wednesday due to personal reasons, but they're going to need him to help defend Tatum and Brown and others. Jarrett Culver played decently on Wednesday. He may get extended run in this game, and Jade McDaniels has to stay out of foul trouble, um, and that's been an issue for him lately, although he did play heavy minutes on Wednesday. Um, but this is a Celtics team that doesn't get to the free throw line a ton. And so they're not necessarily going to put pressure on defenses that way. They're also bottom 10 in pace. So in theory, somebody like a McDaniels should be able to stay out of foul trouble, uh, but they're going to need every bit of anyone who can play a semblance of perimeter defense in this game, whether that's McDaniels, Akogi, Culver, um, all those guys are going to need to really bring it if the Timberwolves are going to have a shot at beating the Celtics on the road on Friday. But if you haven't watched much Celtics or haven't paid close attention this year, just know this isn't the same Celtics team that you know won 48 games last year and went to the to the uh, to the conference finals, um, or even the one that won 49 games in a regular length season the year before that, or 55 games the year before that. This is not the same Celtics team. Same head coach, couple of the same better you know best players in terms of Brown and Tatum. But they just haven't quite been the same this year. So um, we'll be back, of course, after the game. We'll have a post-game pod that posts uh, probably early on Saturday. So a bonus weekend post-game podcast. We'll take Sunday off and have a Monday morning show that gets you ready for, um, or excuse me, the Wolves actually play Sunday night. So we'll have a post-game pod late Sunday, early Monday that will serve as Monday's podcast. So we will have the bonus pod Saturday and then a post-game pod following the game on Sunday. So be sure, if you're not already following, please do would be much obliged if you would on Apple Podcasts or Google, Spotify, um, or the all-new Odyssey app. Again, A-U-D-A-C-Y, the Odyssey app. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves and follow. If you do follow on Apple, please help out with a review. Could definitely use some positive reviews on there. That definitely helps us get in front of more folks and is much appreciated. Also, follow on Twitter, at Lockdown T-Wolves is the show account, and my account is at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K, E-N. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Today's episode was brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.